Hello. Hello. Hey there. Hello. Well, welcome. So it's you, huh? Welcome, baby. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you, doing, little girlfriend. See, waiting on Miss Vicky. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, she hello. Had no yeah, she had no yeah. Hey, Hey, Miss Vicky. Hello. <laughs> Dear. So this is our private line. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes, me. Yeah, me and the wife are talking on here. <laughs> hey, Miss Vicky. That's okay. Um, <laughs> we're planning to be there about three thirty tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Wonderful. Then. Good. Good. Thanks. Say hello, Vicky. Well, I'm gonna mute out, ladies. All righty. Say hello. Somebody just called in. Hello. Okay. Somebody needs to mute something out there if you're not going to say hello. Hello, hello. Say hello, dingers. Glad to have you with us. Glad, so glad. Okay. People should be calling in now. Friday night, date night with the Lord. Say hello, Phil. <laughs> Good evening, thank you. God bless you for being here. I don't think they can hear you from over there, but that's okay. That's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's better than okay. It's good. It's a good day. It's a good life. That is good. We serve a good God. And his mercy endures forever. And his mercy forever. And our God is great, and His mercy forever. Okay. All right. Who else wants to say hello? 
Had it not been for the mercies of the Lord, we would have been consumed. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you that you're even now reminding people it's Friday night. I hope everybody realizes that next week we're not going to have a review. We're just going to keep going. So they, if they missed Monday, they should be here tonight. Amen. And this is the last chapter. Yep. Hey, it's Gretchen. I was here Monday and I'm here tonight. How's that? Woo-hoo! I'm here. I'm here too, Vicky. Okay, Judy. Super terrific. All right. Praise God. Okay, 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 okay. Anybody else want to say hello before I mute your telephones and we get started tonight? Hearing no cheery hellos. <laughs> I'm going to mute your phones. Hold on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And welcome. Welcome. This is Freedom's Way Ministries. My name is Phil Burnett. I am here with my lovely wife, Vicki. And we are Freedom's Way Ministries, and our mission is to help you realize, come into your true identity in Christ so that you can walk in all the benefits that God has prepared for those who love him. So we thank you for joining us. God bless you as you're here tonight. We are teaching tonight on Stewardship of Your Inheritance, Chapter 17, Vicki's new book. So we're excited. We're excited about publishing this book. We're excited about you being here and being blessed and ministered to by the words uh, given to her through the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for coming. I'm going to pray us in, and we're going to get started here tonight. Heavenly Father, we worship you tonight. We thank you, Lord, that you are in our lives. You thank you, Lord, for the word that you bring our way, how you sustain us, strengthen us. All that you do for our lives is just incalculable, and we thank you for that. We bow and worship you tonight, and we say, Lord, or I say, Holy Spirit, have your way in this meeting. Teach your people something new, something that they can chew on and grow on, and be closer to you, grow up more in you. So, Lord, speak to their hearts tonight. I turn aside any assignment from hell in the name of Jesus. I bind any spirits that would like to disrupt or cause any confusion in the minds of the hearts of God's people tonight, and I just lose the Holy Spirit to have his way and to bless his people. God bless you as you hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Before I get started, 
that prayer reminded me of a um, conference we did once in South Florida at a church, and the pastor, for the first time, we found out later, gave the Holy Spirit permission to use the gifts in the church. And he, and God really, he really did it. So Phil has released the Holy Spirit tonight. Expect amazing things. This is chapter 17. We're splitting it, not because it's too long to do in one night, but because there's so much material here you could not possibly absorb it all. I hope that you will be taking notes. Next week will be the second part of this chapter and the end of where the river flows. Chapter 17, Stewardship of Your Inheritance. When the arrows of witchcraft penetrate the heart, They can cause a person to feel more like a deflated balloon than anything else. The resulting lack of business interests and associations can slow the economy of life and cause personal income to plummet. Some years ago, I lost someone dear to me and experienced this kind of withdrawal. My lack of motivation in the face of this arrow left me without cash flow a condition to which I was unaccustomed and not very disciplined to enjoy. So I began to listen to successful business people on webinars and YouTube speeches and so on as a part of effectively re-entering the workplace in a meaningful and financially prosperous way. During this time of retraining, I was led to a presentation by one of the premier sports coaches of many years ago as he spoke at the Convention of Religious Broadcasters. He presented a 12-point list of attitudes and actions that set apart the winners from the losers in sports or business or just life itself. As I heard him speak, I kept thinking of how much of what he was saying could apply to our lives as Christians and the success or failures we experience in our Christian walk and callings, whatever they may be. I started to think of his points as a 12-step program of discipleship. Our business mission as Christians is to advance the kingdom of God. We are his hands and feet and mouthpieces in the earth today, led by the Holy Spirit to operate the family business. Our Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ, has given us an inheritance, and we have to grow up and learn to develop the attitudes and actions that will allow him to release our inheritance to us. In Jewish culture and custom, 
the inheritance of the firstborn son was to take over the family business. And to this end, he was apportioned double what the other sons received. He needed the extra portion, not to squander on himself, but to run the business. There is insight about this in the book of Galatians chapter 4, and that is Galatians 4, verses 1 and 2. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differs nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. According to custom, the time appointed of the father was the day in which the son had learned everything he needed to know about the family business and was considered mature enough to handle it and keep it prospering. Then, and only then, was his inheritance given to him along with its inherent responsibilities. Jesus is the firstborn. He is in us. Therefore, we are now the inheritors of the double portion for use in the establishment and advancement of the business of our Father God. This was in my mind as I listen to these 12 attributes of winning in business, any business, I begin to realize how much accomplishing kingdom business is similar to businesses in the world as far as methodology and practice. There is a lesson in taking what we learn in the world and then applying God's perspective in order to translate and apply what we've learned into our Christian journey. The first thing we all need to adopt into our attitude and actions is be excited. If you want people to be excited about what you're doing and in what you believe, then you have to be excited about it yourself. We looked up the word excitement, and this is what we found. A feeling of great enthusiasm and eagerness. Uh, This brought to mind the zeal of the Lord. In looking up synonyms for zeal, this is what we found. Among the words that have the same or similar meaning as zeal are eagerness and enthusiasm. We concluded that zeal could be described as excitement on steroids. Isaiah 9, chapter 6 and 7. Familiar scripture. I'm sorry, let me say this again. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, El Gibor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, 
of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with just judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Paul the Apostle was a man full of zeal for God. His eagerness and enthusiasm to please God had him out rounding up Christians for persecution. Zeal, excitement on steroids, drove him to action. And admittedly, it was the wrong action, even though it may have been rightly motivated. Still, Paul wasn't punished by God for his enthusiasm and excitement. Actually, once understanding was imparted to him, Paul was promoted by God to greater things. Each and every day when we wake up, we need to be excited. Excited to be alive. Excited for a new day and anticipating great things. Perhaps you think you don't have much to be excited about. But if that's your mindset, you're wrong. God, our Father, was excited to provide us a Savior. We should be excited about him every day of our lives, full of the joy of our salvation. Instead, Many of us are grousing and complaining that we didn't get enough sleep or that nobody helps us out or that we're stuck in a dead-end job. We might dwell on the negatives, how our husbands or our wives or our children don't contribute enough to our emotional or financial well-being or how miserable we are and all the things that we don't have and can't do. In that state of mind, a person isn't eager or enthusiastic about helping other people succeed or contributing time or energy into other people's lives or endeavors. But according to the words of Jesus in Luke 16, helping others succeed in their goals opens the door for us to have success. Luke sixteen twelve, And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Do you work for someone else? And if you want success for yourself, be excited to help the person in authority over you succeed. Be the first to volunteer for the little things, to work overtime, to finish a project with or without extra pay. Stop complaining and start praising God for the opportunity to be faithful wherever you are. He has given you life, Zoe. And Jesus came that you would have life in abundance. John 10.10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life 
and they might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. The Greek word for life in that scripture is zoe, which literally translates life the way God lives it. I'll add in God's kind of life. If you can't get fired up about that, then your wood's too wet. And if your wood's too wet, you soon will be in a very dry place. It is there in those dry places and seasons of our lives where God can dry out our wood and get it ready to start a flame for his kingdom purpose. The more you cry and whine and complain about being in a dry place, the longer it will take for the wood that is your humanity to to be made suitable for building a fire for God. Amen. The next attribute we need to develop is be a dreamer. In thinking this one over, I was reminded of two different kinds of dreams. There are the dreams and visions in the night, those that come in sleep, And then there are dreams and visions that become goals or objectives in life for us to work toward and accomplish. These two aspects of dreaming are both physical and spiritual. Many of the characters in the Bible were dreamers. Job was a dreamer. Daniel was a dreamer. Joseph Isaac's son was a dreamer. Joseph Mary's husband was a dreamer. Even Nebuchadnezzar was a dreamer. And there are many more. Here are some biblical references of dreams and visions in the night. Job 4, verse 12 and 13. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Genesis 37, 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. Matthew 1, 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, you son of David, fear not to take unto you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. We can establish from these examples that physically dreaming is also spiritual. There's a message in dreams and visions of the night. It isn't the pizza or the movie we watch before going to bed. God can use those things as a catalyst for his message to us, but there is a message nonetheless. If you are interested in dreams and dream interpretation, there's plenty of material out there available. But we caution you to check with the Holy Spirit about what you are to to read and to conclude because there are no formulas. The Holy Spirit is the only dream interpreter 
and you cannot depend on mental understanding or detection by formula. The formula may not apply in many cases. It takes discernment. That being said, there are a few things to keep in mind about your dreams, and don't say you don't dream because we all dream. If you aren't remembering your dreams, it's probably because you dismiss them as unimportant, and it would be wise to repent for that. Consider this. If the dream is in color, you can be pretty sure the dream is from the Lord. If your dream's in black and white, it's probably from the kingdom of darkness. Ouch. Also, the people in your dream are oftentimes not really the people of the message, and dreams are very seldom literal in nature. They are symbolic. For example, if you dream about your dead relative, the dream is usually not about that person. That person is simply a representation of something perhaps a generational issue, or perhaps a feeling or attitude. The dream can be a confirmation, a warning, or just a little heads up from God about something coming that should be dealt with. Generally speaking, cars and other forms of transportation represent ministry or spiritual calling. Pregnancy and children generally represent gifts. Colors all have meaning and significance. Do your best not to fall into the trap of mentally interpreting your own or someone else's dreams according to a dream book or a class that's taught by a man. The Holy Spirit is the interpreter of dreams, and no one else can give you an accurate interpretation. Pardon me. If you want to begin to remember your dreams, repent for disregarding them and tell the Lord you want to remember. Ask him to help you remember. Keep a pen and paper by your bedside. And when you wake up, write down what you dreamed no matter if it's the middle of the night. That proves you're serious about hearing from God and interested in what he has to say to you even while you sleep. If you wait until the morning, the dream may evade you, as it did Nebuchadnezzar, who called for his magicians to tell him what he had dreamed in addition to its interpretation. Daniel 2, 5 and 6. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known to me the dream with the interpretation thereof, you shall be cut in pieces and your houses shall be made a dunghill. But if you show the dream, and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. 
The other aspect of being a dreamer are the visions you have for your life. The smaller, short-term ones, as well as the long-term or far-ahead goals you set for yourself. It's been rightly said, you have to see it before you see it. In other words, you need to envision yourself having already achieved the goal, won the prize, received the promotion, whatever. You can't put negative images of failure in your head and expect a positive result in your circumstances. I remember the story of Cassius Clay, who became Muhammad Ali. And as a poor, scrawny little black kid of 12 years old, in a rundown neighborhood, he'd be skipping rope and proclaiming for all the world, I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. Who believed him? Nobody but him. He had a vision for his life, and he believed it, and he worked toward it. And he made it happen. Do we have a vision for our lives as Christians? Do we believe it? Are we working toward it? Those are certainly questions to think about. The third thing on the list of attributes for success is never say can't. At some point in your life, if you grew up like I did, you probably said, I can't. And somebody answered you with, can't, never could. It's true. As long as we confess a belief in failure, we will be afflicted with failure. There is a progression to how things come about in our lives. Psalm 116, verse 10. I believed, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. The words I can't are words of the enemy of God who seeks to destroy us because the truth is we can. We can accomplish because of God, no matter what the task. We can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. The Christ in us, the anointing of God, is the enabler for our success in whatever we set our hands and our minds to do. There can never be enough said about the power of our words or their creativity. We create good and we create evil by the fruit of our mouth. Following are a few I can't statements. Many of us like to make and God's answer to them. These are taken from a book titled Who's Using Your Tongue? (laughs) 
the first I can is I can't be forgiven. And the Lord says, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I can't, number two, I can't bear the pain. Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Next is I can't go on. Hebrews 12.1 Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And Nehemiah 8, verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be, ye, be you sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yes, Lord. <clears throat> Attribute number four is stand for something. In any business, what we stand for is vital to the success of our actions. It's been said that if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that is oh so true. Christians who are not grounded in sound doctrine are easily swayed by the next slick-talking charmer sent by hell to draw us off track and into compromise, complacency, and confusion. These are three conditions in many Christians' lives who have lots of I can'ts in their Bible cases. So what do we stand for as Christians seeking to operate the family business? The big three are love, truth, and humility. Falling under one or more, likely all, of these categories come honor, integrity, and courage. When we don't stand for the truth of the Word of God, when we don't stand in the face of evil, when we don't stand in uprightness as Christians, we end up being those compromised Christians who give God a bad name. Standing is a stationary position. In other words, we don't move away from where we are if we're standing. There is a steadfastness associated with standing. As Christians, 
Standing for something means stand fast for what we believe without waffling in uncertainty or doubt and not wandering over into other beliefs and mingling Christianity with occultism. Every cult lays claim to Jesus because to do so gives them credibility. And every world religion recognizes Jesus, but not the resurrection of Jesus. What we stand for is easy. We stand for Jesus the Christ. In order to do that, we need to understand his core character, which is love, truth, and humility. When we are steadfast in love, we are standing for Jesus. When we are steadfast in truth, we are standing for Jesus. When we are steadfast in humility, we are standing for Jesus. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. How do we stand? Like men, not like children. Like soldiers, not like civilians. That means, again, we have to grow up before we can realize our full inheritance in the Lord. We are to stand in strength and in preparedness. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, watch you, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Ephesians 6, verses 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In order for us to stand properly, we have to stand in Christ and in the freedom of our salvation, not in the heavy yoke of religious orders and the law of man. God's law is love. Philippians 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord my dearly beloved. Galatians 5.1 Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. If you want to be successful in kingdom business, as in any other, 
you have to stand for something. And that something is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Bless his holy name. The next attribute we all need and sometimes overlap into standing for something. And it's called be controversial. And when I say that, I don't mean that we should be contentious or disagreeable, which only serves to turn people away from Christ. I mean we have to stop compromising to be liked accepted or approved. We have to put down the fear of offending someone by our belief and stop being afraid of controversy. What did Jesus say? Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. Uh, that is Matthew ten thirty four. Is everyone going to love you? No. Is everyone going to respect you? No. You're standing with Jesus. Isaiah 53.3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As we hid, as it were, our faces from him, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Is everyone going to listen to you? No. Proverbs 1, 24 and 25, because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded, but you have set at naught all my counsel and with none of my reproof. In John eight forty five, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Is everyone going to be nice to you? No. John fifteen twenty. Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. And 2 Corinthians twelve fifteen. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. When we are truly like Jesus, we will likely be reviled and not loved by many. We will likely be rejected and abandoned 
not accepted in many places. We will likely be ignored and disregarded, not respected and admired by the masses. None of that can ever be allowed to cause us to become weary in well-doing or draw us away from the truth. Truth is controversial. Love is controversial. Humility also is controversial. The last word for tonight is be controversial. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes, we are going to stop there. That's about halfway through the chapter. Um, in this last chapter of Where the River Flows. So I just would like uh, to take this opportunity to pray for you all since we have a few moments and say, Father, thank you. Thank you. We are so grateful to you for this word. We ask that you seal it in our hearts, in our minds. Show us daily how to apply these attributes and these attitudes into our lives so that we can be excited every moment of every day. We can be full of that zeal that comes from you. And help us, Father God, to to take note of our dreams and to lean on the Holy Spirit for the interpretation, not to become fearful, but to realize the symbolisms. Thank you, Father, that we take I can't out of our vocabularies and realize the power and the empowerment that you have given us to accomplish whatever is set before us. Thank you, Lord, that we stand for Jesus, for love, for truth, for humility, for honor and integrity and courage, that we don't waver in the face of the world and the opinions of men, but we stand strong, we stand fast. Thank you, Father, that we're not contentious or disagreeable, but we are neither afraid of controversy. Lord, we love you. We give ourselves to you today and every day to grow us up so that we can successfully operate kingdom business, our family business, Lord, we don't want to be the church that simply operates 
We want to be the church that operates in power. The ones, Lord God, who can demonstrate you so that people can experience the Lord Jesus Christ, not just hear about him. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and declare that his blood is all-powerful and effective to accomplish what we ask. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, Those prayers, that prayer is not in the book, nor will it be. So if you want a copy of it, you'll have to ask me for the playback later. And... uh, and because I don't have a copy, and then um, write it down yourself. I guess I don't know what else to tell you. Praise the Lord! If you have a comment or a question, or if you just want to let me know you're here, please push the star six keys on your telephone keypad, and we'll be able to hear you. Mickey, why isn't that prayer in the book? Well, because that's the middle of the chapter, for one thing, and, and this prayer, this um, this this uh, chapter, actually, the way it ends, it's not going to have a prayer at the end. I may why. have a prayer because it, it just ends perfectly. God didn't say um, put a prayer in there. So, you know, oh. it just ends. And uh, well, you know, I may end up I may end up doing a little epilogue or something with a prayer about this chapter. I don't know yet. I I gotta consult the Holy Spirit on that. But for now, this chapter does not end with a prayer. Hmm. Okay. Nor is there okay. nor is there one right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So okay. aren't you glad? So aren't you glad you were here tonight? Yes, I am. Very good. It was very good. <laughs> I knew about with all those scriptures you guys put out tonight. <laughs> I'm glad you were here, Judy. Thank you. You're welcome. You guys have peace and blessings. Thank you, my dear. Who else has something to say tonight? Praise the Lord. Hi, Vicki. Hi, uh, Lisa. Go ahead. Yeah, real fast, I was going to say maybe end with a blessing. I'm not sure if what you were, when you said, because you, I think in the other chapters you you have prayer right at the end. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? But this chapter you're not. So maybe at the very tip of the end to like bless everybody that reads this book or I don't know. Maybe a blessing. Yeah, yeah we may I may do a little like I say, I may do a little epilogue at the end. But yeah. 
this is actually the end. So, okay. Or yeah, next this week. This is we'll good. Play. Yeah, it's Yay. very good. Um, you know, I just want to mention that with all that's going on in the news, how, like, it's very, you know, how the stand as a Christian, because there's just, I see two different ways, worldly way, and I see a spiritual, you know what I'm saying? With Well, how we stand as Christians is for truth, love, and mm-hmm. humility. People are murdered in this country every day. And to make a shrine and an, uh, a god out of one of them and create chaos and destruction because of it is just simply wrong. There were, you know, the the money behind the riots is intentionally promoting them. And there have been four that we've heard about, four deaths of black people in the riots, black on black, Death. Well, they were just innocent bystanders. Yeah, innocent bystanders. One was a security guard, one was a police officer, and then there was two others that weren't either. One was a a black, successful businessman of 38 years old, and I don't have these names and all, but I can get them. And so, you know, the man says, well, black lives do matter. These four lives matter, too. But the media, the mainstream media, hasn't touched it. You're not going to hear anything about that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to hear anything in the media about that. So as a Christian, I would stand, um, I would make sure that my friends and relatives and everybody that I knew does not get their information from CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, ABC, you know, the, the mainstream media is not going to give you the truth. So if you want the truth, take it to the Lord, ask him if you have a part to to play in this, if you have a, a something that he wants you to do, and uh, it is absolutely wrong what happened to that man, absolutely, and the 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 guy who murdered him should be brought to justice, and he will be. He he's already been charged. And he will be brought to justice. But we live in a land of laws, of law and order. We don't, we're not supposed to be living in a land of chaos and destruction. So we cannot support the, the uprising. 
We can't support the uprising. Stand for stand for um, the leaders who are leading. Stand for your president. Stand for your vice president. And that would that would be my answer to what do we stand for? We stand for law and order. We don't stand for lawlessness and destruction. Who else? Somebody mm-hmm. else had something. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. I'm sure I heard you. Where did you go? Well, the topic changed, so. <laughs> I don't well, know. Change it back. Change it back. Yeah. <laughs> back to the book. <laughs> yeah, so I guess, were you saying that they were characteristics of leaders? Love, truth, humility? No, no, no. And the 12. What? Oh, the, yeah, the 12. The, the, okay. Yes. The 12 attributes and attitude, I began to consider them as a 12-step program of discipleship. Well, I think your character traits of leaders and or the overcomers probably is how I'm seeing it. Um, Yeah, I agree. Okay, let me see if I can work that in there somewhere. Maybe more than discipleship, because for me, discipleship like getting the word, you know, this, this, that, where these are like character traits, really. You know, there's different... They all just seem like, yeah, character traits of leaders or the overcomers would have them or they would need them to be able to pull them up at times. Like you would the gifts, you know, like, let's pull this one up, throw that one in, and see what happens. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, no, I think it's good. But Maybe. I think it's... Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I I agree with you. Maybe the title of the chapter, instead of stewardship of your inheritance, needs to either include becoming an overcomer. And successfully managing your inheritance or something like that. Or just weave it in, unless the other half is already written, right? Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. when I so, go yeah, to the editing, can... I, can, I can do whatever I want to. <laughs> Well, yeah, so, but I think it is, 
discipleship too? I don't know. Uh, I shouldn't get tripped okay. up on that. Uh, we can we can make it work. Mhm. Thank you. I make it. Okay. I like it. I like it. Anybody else have something? And that is the yeah. reason that we Yes, go ahead. It's the difference between the two and the twelve spies that went in to the promised land. So Okay. Gotcha. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If they weren't set, if they didn't believe the promises of God, they wouldn't have spoken the things they spoke. You know, it's just a real good mm-hmm. little thing yeah. for me. That's I'm talking too much anyway. No, you're not talking too much. No, well, you can stop, but you're you're not talking too much. But I think that's good. And and what you're actually what you are actually demonstrating is how the Holy Spirit expands what we hear when we have our ears open to hear. And that is the very reason that we're presenting this online is so that you all can be sparked and and share that because it could it could very well help other people along the way also and needs to be added in. So I'm going to see where that would work into all this. Thank you, Gretchen. Maybe you don't have to add it in, but next week you can pray that at the end, and that could be our, like our bonus. <laughs> okay. All right, we'll get a bonus. <laughs> Yet another bonus, hallelujah. Anybody else? I'm very excited about finishing this. Well, actually, it's it's really now beginning because now is the hard part as far as um, editing and formatting and um, gathering people to read it and um, point out my typographical 
deficiencies and um, find a few pastor friends around the country who may want to comment so that I can put something in it from them. Lonnie Lane's already told me that she would be delighted to to read it. She's got another book coming out not not too long from now, I think. I don't know if you guys have have um are familiar with her. Um but what was what's the name of that? Well, her her most recent book, the one before this one that's just coming out, is They Call Him Jesus, I think is the name of it. Or His Name is Jesus or something like that. It's really, it's really good. She took the Jewish perspective um, and wrote about the people in the stories that Jesus interacted with. And um, she had a book before that about heaven that she and Sid Roth put together. So. And we'll see. We'll see who all has something to say. Anybody else have something to say about tonight? Praise the Lord. I guess you're ready for your blessing. <laughs> my prayer is to see you one day on Sid Ross. That'd be amazing. <laughs> you and Phil. Well, with the book. Well, seriously, thank you very we much. pray that in Jesus' name that Sid Ross gets a hold of the book and it says, Vicki, you just got to come on my show. You got to come on my show. I love Sid Ross. He is yeah. so awesome. Well, and he is the one that told, uh, he told me years and years ago, we met for lunch one day, and he told me that uh, I needed to be on radio, that we needed to be on radio. This is ministry. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, that may, that may be an offing as well. Who knows? That would be well, amazing. That's great. Thank you for your encouragement. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for this meeting tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Your word that does so much in our lives, and we are appreciative people. We are a thankful people. And I ask you to seal this word in our hearts, Lord, that you keep it in the forefront for us to remember. Help us grow up in you, Lord. We just we just thank you that you are doing that. In Jesus' name. Thank you for blessing us. And with the Lord's permission, I will bless you with the ironic benediction as we go off into our weekend. Uh, hopefully our our rest time in the Lord. Uh I don't know how many are aware, but this is Shabbat. Sundown on Friday night is is the beginning of the Sabbath. 
till Saturday night at sundown. So Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. And also, um, keep our friend Jordan in your prayers. He is coming up tomorrow to be baptized. We are going to baptize the boy. Hallelujah. So keep that um, keep that in your prayers also. Thank you, Lord. Numbers chapter six. <speaking in Hebrew> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face unto you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace, shalom, his shalom. And I always add in Yeshem Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, who is our Sar Shalom, our Prince of Peace. Bless his holy name. Lord, encamp your angels around your people this weekend. Give them good rest. Give them revelation knowledge. And above all, give them your peace that passes all understanding, that they can glory in you as they glorify you. In the mighty name of Yeshua, Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, honey. God bless you, one and all. We'll be back here Monday morning, 7.15. Monday night, 8.30. Exciting conclusion. <laughs> <Woo-hoo. laughs> Thank you, brother sister. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, ma'am. We'll see y'all tomorrow then. Thank you, brother sister. Yep. Yep. We'll be there. Mitch and Annette right. uh have volunteered their pool for the baptism, so praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Get her blessing over there. Bless our pool. All righty. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I have a great one. Good night. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, sis. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the word. Uh, but-